0: Welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Wonderman Thompson Technology. I'm Gemma Milne, and once a month, we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. Orchestrating customer experiences for an omni-channel world is a key challenge for businesses today. Not only is it demanding new technologies, but also new ways of working and even entirely new operating models. Central to the evolution of all of this is the application of AI and machine learning. In this episode, the Experience Makers talks to Sitecore Senior Digital Strategist Jacqueline Baxter and Wonderman Thompson Technology Experiences Chief Technology Officer Lukasz Monjok vecke to understand how forward-thinking organizations are using AI to master the increasingly complex content supply chain, speed up content velocity, facilitate orchestration, and deliver world-class experiences for their audiences, wherever and whenever they choose to engage. Jacqueline, Lukash, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show today. I'm really excited to discuss this topic with the both of you. But before we get into the nitty gritty, let's do some introductions. Uh, Lukash, let's start with you.
1: My name is Lukash veka and happy to talk today about um, the practical application of AI in content experience.
0: Awesome, lovely to have you with us, Lukash. And um, Jacqueline, same question to you.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, by the way. And I help people solve problems. I help brands solve problems, find solutions to their problems. And often that solution has an AI component. So I'm very excited to be here talking about this today.
0: Brilliant. Well, we're very happy to have you here with us. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, as you as you both have alluded to, the role of AI when it comes to content and experiences. And digital experiences have the power to make or break relationships with customers, yet delivering these digital experiences has never been more of a challenge for brands. Um, and it seems that brands are now turning to AI to help them deliver on this challenge in two key ways. Firstly, by building AI into business systems and processes to accelerate the delivery of experiences and secondly to improve the experiences for the customers. But let's focus on this, this first one, this idea of building AI into business systems and processes to accelerate the delivery of experiences. Every business today needs to be an experience business. We've talked about it a lot already on the show but what does it mean for the marketing and digital teams that are tasked with creating um, these experiences? Jacqueline, I'm going to start with you.
2: I'm, I'm so glad that I get to start off on this because I feel like I spend most of my life trying to find ways to operationalize and create better experiences in a way that is more efficient for businesses and more efficient for their workforce. I do think you know, it's it's difficult, if not impossible, for a human being to create all the possible variants of content that would be needed to reach a customer with the right information at the right time. And... I was reading a a, a PWC survey, actually, uh, not that long ago that was specifically talking about AI and how 86% of those who were surveyed said that AI was going to be a mainstream technology in their company by this year, which I thought was really interesting. And I think it's largely due to the necessity of AI in creating those, those sort of perfect, for lack of a better word, that perfect content experience, making sure that you're reaching the customer at exactly the right time and exactly the way that they've given you permission to reach out to them.
0: Amazing, and Lukash, I want to bring you in on the on the same question about this. You know, what what are we talking about here when we're thinking about marketing and digital teams that are tasked with creating, you know, experience businesses? Yeah,
1: and and in general, we've been seeing a lot of struggles in um, our client base and in general on the market with the implementing of. Uh, of systems that support people in the whole end-to-end marketing process. And, you know, we've been seeing a lot of promise and in, in, uh, things like uh, personalization, for example, that require you to have a proper, robust structure for your content and how you deliver them. And it seems like without some additional tooling, it's nearly impossible for a team of people to manage them properly in a long term so this is this is one of the major areas where AI is already being applied I mean we've been seeing AI being used to to improve the metadata on on assets uh, right now we've got summarization uh, technologies used to make it easier to find relevant pieces of content and um, I think this is this is only the the tip of the iceberg we are we are at the beginning of a, a really exciting road
0: I suppose it would be it be perhaps fair to say that customers sometimes, um, when they're interacting with brand experiences, are not necessarily um, aware that they're dealing with AI or at least systems that have AI components to them. I wonder. I would love to hear from both of you, perhaps some um, examples of some brands that are already using AI to surprise and delight their customers. Lukash, we'll, we'll stick with you first.
1: It's 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 the point basically. So you, 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 when you are presenting to um, an experience to a customer, you either you have to basically make a choice. You either make it very obvious that it's something AI driven, and chatbots are something that has been not necessarily very successful over the years. Uh, but um, you know that the, the, the fact that uh, it's been clear that it's a chatbot was uh, was acceptable for for people, or you have to make it completely opaque. So make it part of a process and make sure people cannot know that um, the, the experience being delivered to them has been partially, I mean, that's important to stress, not partially crafted by by an AI system. I don't think we are there yet with systems like that. So creating experiences in production, there are some things uh, being experimented with, uh, but uh, this is quite, quite new.
0: Um, Jacqueline, same to you. I'd love to hear some of your kind of favorite examples of where AI is being used to surprise and delight customers.
2: It's so interesting because I was thinking and I was as I was getting ready for this for this episode, I thought to myself, I wonder how many times I interact just me personally, like how many times a day do I interact with AI and I started making a list and I realized that. I was thinking, and I think a lot of audiences think very specifically. they have a very specific picture in their head when they think of AI. and I think it it tends to be like like cylons. And I don't think they think as often about things like the machine learning algorithms on social media that suggest the content to you. They certainly don't think about autocorrect. if you've ever um, had, a word that I won't say on the podcast changed to ducking. On your uh, mobile device, that is an, an interaction with AI. If you've ever used navigation, uh, a map on your phone, that is a form of AI. And because they touch AI applications so often throughout the day, I think there are ways that brands have started to use that AI to improve experiences. And the one that always comes to mind is the uh, the loyalty program. Specifically, I always think about the Starbucks one because it took me a really long time to realize that Starbucks was using a machine learning algorithm to track what I bought and to then offer me specific coupons to bring me back in and offering me, you know, star streaks if I came in three times a week to buy these things. And if I did that, then they'd offer me another one for five days. And those kinds of experiences that really do improve not only a customer's perception of a brand, but also bring brand loyalty into the conversation, I think can be really impactful, not only for brands, but also for the customers that they're trying to reach.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, what's been happening over the past year, because I think when we're talking about, or it's longer than a year now, two years almost, when we're talking about digital transformation. um the, the pandemic, the COVID nineteen pandemic, has massively accelerated um, businesses, uh, you know, use of technology in, in many different ways. Whether they're businesses that already had uh, pretty mature digital experiences, um, and then obviously, of course, all the businesses that didn't have them at all, grasping frantically to be able to keep their businesses um, online, <laughs> literally, um, and and serve customers um, in this this sort of crazy time that we've been living in. So, I'm curious about what the conversation has been around with AI. Has the emergence of AI been accelerated by the pandemic and the fact that we've all turned to digital to, you know, for pretty much everything um, for the past two years, Jacqueline?
2: I mean, I think the answer is yes. I think anything that was related to digital in any respect has been massively accelerated. One of the the things I've I heard a lot over the last year was the customer that we expected in 2030 arrived in 2020 because we didn't have a choice but to rise to meet the demand that was coming from from customers who really needed more support, more digital touch points. We had to evolve those experiences very quickly in order to create that, that sort of bridge with our customers and continue to be in conversation with them about their needs and their wants so that we could provide for them better. I'm, I'm watching very carefully the AI applications that are emerging in relation to supply chain issues and how AI can actually be used to monitor and to predict some of those problems. I think one of the things that the last 18 months has really brought to the forefront is that we can never predict the next disaster. So we have to do the next best thing, which is to train an algorithm to help us do that as best as we can.
0: That actually brings us quite nicely onto the the next point that I wanted to speak to you about, which is the idea of using AI to help you manage to help you um, you keep your process running as smoothly or as efficiently um, as possible. And research from Wonderman thompson Technologies' Building Better Experiences report revealed that 56% of businesses are now using AI within content and experience management processes. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about
2: some of the use cases um, there. Generally speaking, the one that always comes first to my mind is regulatory compliance specifically because mistakes there can be very costly and they always seem to sneak up on people, which is surprising, um, given that we, we really can see them coming often. We just, we never think it'll happen to us. You never think that your brand is going to be the one that's going to get caught in in this net, but every brand should be prepared for that. I think being prepared and not, not having the issue in the first place is the best way to go. But I also think brand governance is a really interesting one. Um, Specifically because that touches so many things that I touch every day, you know, not just content, but also logos and messaging and how all of that shapes the perception of a brand out there in the world. And if you have a system that can help you ensure the consistency of all those things across all of your digital touch points, then you've taken a real step um, into the into the future as as a kind of interesting as that sounds.
0: (laughs) I think it it ties back to that, I guess, perception of AI um, and an automation, probably more more specifically, being something that helps with you know boring or repetitive tasks, you know, freeing humans to do strategic and creative work. Do do you think that's a is that a fair? Perception of of specifically where we are at with AI right now. Are we able to to do more strategic or creative tasks as a result of AI, or is AI actually doing those strategic and creative tasks themselves alongside the the boring and and repetitive ones? Lukash, let's start with you.
1: I think the perception on what's the, on on the capabilities of AI has changed a lot in the past eighteen. 18- and more specifically, 14 months since since basically GPT-3 was announced. And um, the, the way I like to look at that is um, we, we've we've uh, we've considered AI to be used for the really mundane tasks, so automation of processes, things that are very well defined. And then we look at the steps and, and basically decide those steps could be automated using AI or even traditional techniques. But right now we see it's... Uh, the, the, the machines we are building or and training are much more capable than that. They can not only support humans in the creative process, and we see this already happening in a lot of areas, like helping with the in, in, in the ideation process, uh, we're helping with the with writing copy, uh, helping even with science. And uh, the last thing I read for, uh, in Scientific American was about um, using AI to uh, create hypotheses to be tested. Then which was treated very as, as a very um, human-only uh, area for for basically forever. So there's been a lot of change, and I tied this strongly to, um, to, to, to the hype of AI that we see right now. Not only have we become much more digital, not only is there a, a lot more demand for those services, but also the technology so is at, at the point where the capabilities and the prospect of the new capabilities is much higher than it was ever before. before.
0: It's interesting you said the word hype there. I find um, something strange about AI where in some sense it is massively overhyped and we have really high expectations of what AI is capable of. But then at the same time, we also think that it's not capable of doing very much at all. There's this it's a weird kind of dichotomy of um, thinking that it's really advanced or going you know, oh, computer says no, this kind of stupid computer perception of, of AI systems. Um, but Jacqueline, same question to you around um, the, this kind of perception and specifically maybe some of the more strategic or creative tasks that AI is performing that you think are particularly relevant, thinking about um, building experiences.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, it's so interesting that you, that you say that because I was thinking about that exact same thing and how I think we've almost done AI a disservice in the last about 10 years because there was a lot of conversation about how it was it was so great and it was going to solve all of our problems and the technology wasn't there yet. And so now that the technology is actually getting to a point where it it actually is getting there, nobody trusts it, which is fair enough because, you know, seven years ago, we told everybody that if they bought AI, that this would solve all of their problems and it didn't. And you can't expect people to, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You know, it's like, we're not doing that. But I do think specifically that AI is very good at task-focused and procedural-focused things in 2021. That's one of the things that's real strength. And finding ways in which AI and humans work together is a real interest of mine. I've been watching some of the applications that they're using AI in a couple of different laboratories to detect lung cancer. Um, nodules that are are genuinely too small for the human eye to see. A human being cannot see those on a radiography film, but a computer can, and a computer can draw the tech's attention to that and make sure that a tech is paying attention to things that the tech ordinarily wouldn't be able to see. And the, those applications, I think when we talk about creative and strategic applications, I I always come back to that. And how we can use AI and work with AI almost as a creative ally and a strategic ally in many of these these paths that we're exploring.
0: You mentioned the word human. So let's talk a little bit about that, because I think, you know, this is one of the biggest, I think, stumbling blocks, um, at least in terms of discourse and perception. Um, that that people have when it comes to AI and marketing. So, um, you know, customers are obviously expecting personalised experience nowadays. They know that it is doable by brands, and and they're getting it from some brands, and they're wanting everyone else to be able to follow suit. A recent Salesforce survey revealed that eighty four percent of the twelve thousand people interviewed said that being treated like a person, not a number, is very important to them. So, you have this kind of common perception that greater automation is less personalization. Um, but you know we, we're sort of hearing in these kind of marketing tech spaces that AI can help brands get closer to customers. So let's talk a little bit about that. How can organizations use AI to engage customers on much more human terms? Um, Lukash, let's start with you.
1: Yes, thank you for that question. I, I personally think you can get a very non-personalized and inhuman response with or without AI. Uh, if you do not get uh, care for that and if you did not build your approach and process and your content in the right way uh then that's the exact result you'll get and you you could have done that 20 years ago with just you know the the tooling available at at that point um what this means in turn uh it's not about technology it's about how you use it it's about how you approach your customer um do you care about them do you care about what they feel and then how do you build the experiences and the the interactions so they feel like they are interacting in a human because to be completely honest if they are interacting in a digital world they are not interacting with a human either way they are still interacting with a system that has been prepared by a human or in the in the, in, in the today's world and a human supported by ai
0: what about you, Jacqueline? From your perspective, what does it mean to engage customers on human terms? With respect to, you know, because it, it, it's this difficult. Uh, what I guess balance sometimes for brands where they're wanting to optimize and be quick and and deliver on the sort of on-demand economy, shall we say, that customers are demanding. But at the same time, they also want this personalization. They want things to feel human, um, whilst also being aware that it's probably not actually a human that's doing this. It's not possible. So for you, from your perspective, it'd be great to hear how you approach this idea of engaging on human terms using AI.
2: I think the important thing and the thing that I'm always encouraging my clients to remember is that this isn't an either or proposition you don't just have to use AI, you don't just have to use humans. There's no one, there's no board of, of directors, there's no board of judgment that is going to come for you for, for using both of those scenarios in cooperation. And I do think that, that that helps a lot of brands clarify their concerns about using AI, because I do find, especially, you know, sort of going back to one of the points that I made earlier, when you talk about the multiple content variations and how many different possible combinations there could be to reach exactly the right person at exactly the right time, there is almost no way for a human team to keep up with that. It requires too many hours in the day. But a human being is still selecting the content that you feed in to the AI and say, you know, you pick, but one of these, you know, 30 variations we would like to be displayed at this point on the website, and giving the AI that information so that as the AI learns and evolves, it chooses more specifically. So I think it does come back to that considering AI to be a a team member and to be a, a colleague and a coworker and an ally in trying to reach your customers and produce these better experiences will help a lot of brands wrap their minds around that concern specifically. Jacqueline, I'd love to dive
0: into that a little bit more, this idea of the AI being a a team member um, specifically. Is there a sort of new best practice emerging in terms of what I guess, a team, a human team plus AI looks like, you know, what, how is it going to shape future ways of working? I, I feel like we, we've perhaps come a little bit further than keeping talking about robots stealing jobs, though there's obviously a reality to, to that when it comes to automation. Um, but I'm curious how you think about, um, you know, framing this and executing um, this ally, this team member of AI
2: in a way that's um, mindful. I think at least for me, it's, I mean, I do, I do think upskilling will play a part. There is there is a conversation to be had about upskilling and making sure that you are giving your team members the ability to interpret and the skills they need to interpret the information that the AI is producing. But in many ways, I think it's a mindset shift. Um, I saw it described very, very well about a week ago as uh, working like a scientist rather than working like a strategist in some ways, which I, I took a little bit of personal offense to, but when I when I sort of drilled down into it, I realized what they were saying was that strategy, not strategists per se, but strategies and on the brand level, a lot of brands have a tendency to create a strategy maybe at the beginning of the fiscal year, maybe at the beginning of each quarter, and they just go with that. The whole quarter or the whole financial year. And that's really not an option with AI, because AI is constantly learning, is constantly evolving, and it's constantly offering you new information. Your team has to be ready to take that information in and to really create something new from that information. So you have to be willing to shift your mindset into sort of one of continuous optimization, continually testing, continually learning, continually optimizing, and create sort of that cycle within your team where you're incorporating that new data as it comes in.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, the future then, um, because I I think it's always nice to kind of um, dedicate a bit of time to really Um, thinking about visions and thinking about what's possible um, when it comes to, um, I guess, encouraging mindful adoption and good adoption of these kinds of technologies. So Lukash, I'd love to um, hear from you first. Thinking about AI and specifically its its role in experience making as we talk about on this show, um, what sort of changes are you expecting to see in the next, say, five to 10 years? I mean, these can be completely different... uh, both different uh time scales, but I'd love to hear where your where your mind is at
1: okay that's a that's a very good question and a, and a useful thing in, in questions like that is to look back ten years and ten years ago uh we we had smartphones being used by a very small group of people uh, we had and mostly technology enthusiasts. Uh, we had social being used by a very small group of people, early adopters mostly. It has become to be widely adopted, but it was a long way from being something that everyone is using. And, and similarly, internet was something you had to go to your computer uh, to use. And that's how most people treated it, with the exception of those early adopters I mentioned. So things were completely different back then. You did your shopping uh, online. If you did your, your shopping online, you used a PC or, or, or a Mac for, for that, but basically a desktop computer. And uh, to, to actually extrapolate what is happening right now, ten years forward, uh, the, the, the wild guesses you have to take are quite, um, quite, uh, quite big, especially as the technology rate of innovation is accelerating rather than staying constant on decelerating. Uh, having said all that, I foresee in the in the next future um, that AI will be adopted at different stages and not only in the automation stage. Um, I mean first it will be very useful tooling that will support people. But then uh, a lot of the uh, work that's being done by the vast people, um, vast teams of people um, producing content, selecting content, preparing, modifying, will be uh, heavily supported by AI. And by that, I mean, um, really, uh, that, that those teams will be much more efficient. They may not necessarily shrink, but they will be able to produce a much more uh, content at a much um, less cost.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. And I think your point about looking back 10 years while you were talking, I was thinking back to, okay, well, what was I doing 10 years ago? And it, is, it really does give you that perspective um, by doing that little bit of backcasting before you start doing that um, that futuring. Um, but Jacqueline, we'd love to hear your answer to the same question, five and 10 years, or just five if you feel comfortable, or just 10. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I think it's, it's interesting because I was nodding along and I was thinking to myself that really what I see as being, The the bigger steps forward is in there will be some advancements in what AI can do. We're seeing those advancements every day. But I'll be also very interested in seeing what AI is allowed to do. Uh, I think there are really legitimate concerns about some of the even what I consider to be the coolest applications of AI. There's some very cool things that AI is getting very good at. That you sort of step back and look at from a, a social or political perspective and think, I am not sure that this is the best idea that the human race has ever had. There was a wonderful technology writer who was interviewed a, about a year ago, I think, and one of the things she said that I think about a lot is, think of the Black Mirror application of that technology. Take it all the way to the worst case scenario and then then work back from that. And so I, I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's like by by the time we're 10 years in the future, I think there probably won't be much that AI can't be involved in. The question will become, in the immortal words of, of Jeff Goldblum, we shouldn't be so concerned about what we can do or thinking so much about what we can do that we forget what we should
0: do. Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit some of those those examples then of, of perhaps what could go wrong or what what would you say you're most perhaps concerned about? Um, Jacqueline, we'll stick with you seeing as you you brought that up.
2: I think for me personally, um, I, I think about facial recognition a lot. Um, I think it's very cool. There are some very interesting things being done with it. Um, and as a person who has spent a, a not insignificant portion of my life standing in line at passport control, I can think of some ways that facial recognition might be able to simplify my life personally, but I, I also think that that's very, very worrying in other respects. And, in In the wrong hands, thinking about who the right hands might be, trying to decide what a, what a responsible and mindful application of that technology might be, how to have the cool and the useful without the creepy and invasive is a balance that we're really going to have to work hard to find, and, and it's going to have to be the world working cooperatively, which we have not historically been very good at. Um, that is something that I personally but will be watching to see to see who who sort of cracks that nut. Lukash,
0: I'd love to also hear your perspective on this and and also specifically, um what what does it mean then for brands who are interested in um, you know already using AI or using more AI in in various different applications? What does it mean for them to do that in a way that that doesn't exacerbate these concerns? Because at the end of the day, you know, it, it, AI moving forward and being part of more people's lives is as a result of brands, businesses of all sorts um, implementing it. They're not just following the, the, the you know, the leaders of tech. They are the ones that are actually putting it into society. Um, at the, you know, at the end of the day, even it might seem like a small um, application, but realistically, that's you are building the future by doing this, right? So um, yeah, Lukasz, tell us a little bit about perhaps some of the, the specific things you're concerned about and also what you think it means to build in a, say, an ethical or responsible manner.
1: Yeah, I, I'll try to do that. Uh, first, maybe framing uh, that the future I see for AI in the, the long term future, I see them as partners. And I, you know, really would like humanity to be at some point at the at at level of You could see in e m Banks, uh, the culture series. That's that's where I see it long term. But the the road has so many different uh, things um, where where things can go wrong. And my biggest fear uh, is that AI having access to all this data uh, will actually be able to influence us to an enormous and unimaginable uh, level we controlling all the things um, that that we see, personalizing every experience we see. We may end up being completely controlled by entities outside of our reach, and you know we've seen how powerful it can be even without use of AI. You know Cambridge Analytica, different um, elections uh, that went went wrong um, in some places of the world and uh it's when we apply the the new ai principles and the new ai capabilities to that there's there's a lot of things that can go wrong and you know in terms of what what the brands can do it's it's best to basically look at the different ai ethics initiatives that are happening around the world reach out to them and maybe support them become part of them uh, be very strict and very Vocal about how do you approach ethics and AI? What does it mean to be to, to work with with um, AI and machine learning algorithms that are ethical? Uh, make sure to be completely transparent in how you process, how you store and process the data of your customers, and um, and you know explain as much as possible of uh, about how you are uh Not only designing and, and and teaching the um the systems that are presenting experiences um, but also show how it works basically uh so uh talk about it, show it to people, make sure they understand basically education is the best tool we have in this world.
0: Jacqueline, bring you in on this one as well
2: yeah I wanted to to echo that and to add that it's it's one of my the sort of lingering concerns that I see on the horizon, because I don't find very many brands that aren't aware of these concerns. A lot of them are, they know the risks that come with using AI. My bigger concern is that not very many of those brands are doing anything to mitigate those risks. They are sort of pushing forward and, and they're, I, I'm concerned that they're pushing those risks mm-hmm. into what I call the mythical phase two, mm-hmm. where all problems go to die. Like you don't you don't ever deal with anything in phase two. You put it in phase two and phase two never comes. And thinking about, as Lukash was saying, all of those things related to improving governance, to reducing bias, to monitoring model performance. There's so many things that can be done to make sure that AI is being run in a more responsible and ethical way and encouraging companies to do that now, to take those steps now to create those those models and, and make those improvements now, instead of being caught out in 10 years when all of a sudden it turns out that that's actually something you have to be able to do in order to continue to do business is going to be absolutely essential.
0: Both of you obviously are excited and passionate about um, the future of AI, but also, um, you know, aren't just concerned, but have practical ideas and solutions and approaches to um, ensuring those concerns are, are taken into account. I wonder it would be great to just hear from the pair of you how how would you advise. Those listening, people who are interested in AI to I guess fuel both of those sides um, of, of your of your viewpoints. how do you find the exciting ideas, um, the exciting applications, the high potential applications, um, as well as um, keeping in mind what those what those concerns might be, I mean, Lukas, you've already mentioned um, engaging with ethical AI efforts, but it'd be great to know about your inspiration and how you keep up with this ever-changing world. Um, Jacqueline, let's start with you.
2: So this is a, a very boring answer, and I apologize in advance um, because it's the answer that I give related to all technology, which is from a strategist perspective and from a strategic perspective. I am always encouraging my client to define the problem first. Let's define the need. Let's define the issue. And then let's find a solution for that need. Let's find a solution for that problem. Instead of having a solution that we're sort of searching for a problem that that solution will help us solve, because I am the very first to admit that this is very interesting and wonderful technology, and there are a lot of very interesting and uh, ethical and reasonable applications for it, but it's not going to fit every problem. And so making sure that you define the problem first and then go in search of a solution is I think going to help with some of these concerns because it's when you're trying to cram a solution into the problem and you're just trying desperately to make it fit, if it won't fit, it's probably because it's the wrong solution for that specific problem. And you can circumvent many of these issues by thinking clearly and and collaboratively with your team about what you're trying to accomplish and how you would like to continue to solve for that problem in the future.
0: Lukash, same sort of question um, to you. How do you keep up, stay inspired, um, as well as ensure that you're, um, as as Jacqueline has said, not just um, finding a, a solution in search of a problem?
1: So it's not an easy um, answer to to, to to this question because there are, there are basically two two approaches to this. You either uh, work in a similar fashion as Jacqueline was describing, which is what I call working in the local optimum. So searching for that local optimum, but the problem with that approach is you, you, it's difficult to make the big jump and it's, it's difficult to actually question the status quo, uh, look at the actual process, um, and, or look at the, 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 way we, we do things and try to figure out why are we doing this? And, uh, you know, uh, and, and you, you kind of have to do a bit of both. So uh, you have to um, look for the actual answers, the actual problems, and then search for answers. And the way we do that internally is uh, we're on hackathons that are open for everyone. And um, we, uh, we make sure that people have time for that. They have time to prepare. They have time to think and we then foster innovate in the um, most prospective um, ideas, most prospective solutions. And actually, uh, our best products and our best solutions were started in in hackathons like that. So we apply the same principle to to the AI space. But At the same time, you have to do some kind of strategic thinking and look at the um, big areas and, and say, well, why are we in doing this, this, this step in the process at all? Uh, why is this process needed at all? What business reason is, is there for that? Is it just compliance? Okay, can we, instead of improving that process, maybe we can ensure compliance in some different way. And and in a similar manner, if you are uh, producing content, for example, and you are doing this in a a specific manner, you can work on improving that process or you can replace it altogether on our source. And and these kind of big questions have to to be in that space as well answered. Uh, The thing is, currently, we don't know enough about what the actual capabilities are of this new technology which makes working with those quite difficult you not only have to look inwards and look at your organization you also have to look outwards what everybody else is doing what their approaches are what the ways of working are what's what's next what's in coming and um actually you know it's just 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 the last week google um announced a a new paradigm and machine learning models can be built. And there's, there's, the, there doesn't pass a month without something big being announced. So we have to be constantly on the toes and track it and then work in, internally as well. And there is no easy solution for that because uh, you either do it or you will be left behind. So <laughs> that's where we are.
0: Love that. I think at the end of the day, though, that that sort of... Um... I guess task that's quite quite a large task that you outlined there and, and also even Jacqueline your answer to it's still a large task to try and even just define a problem and um, but at the end of the day I think both of your passion has come through and your excitement around the possibilities when you really um start to try and pair some of these problems with some really interesting uh, technology that's coming in the future of course as long as we're being mindful in the process so uh, Lukash uh, Jacqueline thank you so much for joining us and chatting all things AI and experience today. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Wonderman Thompson technology podcast. You can follow us at One Thompson Tech on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit us at WondermanThompson.com. Make sure you tune into next month's episode of The Experience Makers, where we'll continue the experience conversation, helping businesses thrive in today's experience economy.